Master JR, we need you. The galaxy needs you. I've given up that life. But there's no one else. Fifteen minutes isn't long enough, and other podcasters are breaking apart. I saw that power once before. It didn't scare me enough then. It does now. But who will fill our podcatcher with butthole jokes and clever ideas about writing? Fine, I'll do it. But you have to look me in the eye while I milk everything on this island. Why? Because the milk will get caught in my beard and I'll have a milk mustache on my mustache. That's not a reason. Mmm, it's thick. Maybe we shouldn't do this. Nope, we're doing it now. I don't think it likes that. No, no, it likes it. It likes it. Oh, I don't think that's a nipple. Keep eye contact! Keep eye contact! Can we just start the show now? One last one. Ooh, okay, yeah, that one liked it. Please listen carefully. With my foot on the gas and hands on the wheel, I am JR, your driver and host. Riding shotgun with pen always to paper, we have Aaron. Oh, hello! And riding in the back is a staggering amount of episodes I never bothered to edit and will hopefully eventually use one day as filler shows in the future. Uh, Virginia is on this week, obviously. We're your two titular writers, and we're here to run through the craft, the culture, and the careers of being a writer. Our first left turn today is writing during the holidays. So obviously we took a big break from recording and a slightly longer break from me remembering to edit things. Um, so we took a break off recording for the holidays just because I knew there would be a lot of travel. I went down to Jacksonville. Aaron, I don't think, went anywhere. I was around. But... I wanted to sort of figure out, like, Aaron, what was sort of, what was your writing schedule during the holidays? Did you keep up your normal astronomical amounts of writing? Or, um, well, in general, lately I've been writing less just because I have, I'm like, well, I was in between projects and trying to like start a new one always takes a little bit more effort. Mm-hmm. But during the holidays, I ended up writing more than I had been because I had a lot more time. But the schedule was different because, like. I was at my parents' house for some of it, and so I was right. just like, whenever I could like get a, grab an hour or two by myself, I would do it, that sort of thing. But yep, still did it. Very good for you, because I I did not <laughs> I did not do much during the holidays. <laughs> I, I pretty much just relaxed. I I did do a lot of reading. I read a lot of old comic books. Um, nice. I reread Kingdom Come, which is actually pretty. A lot more uh, deep than I remember reading about it in high school. Um, What's Kingdom Come? Is that? It sounds familiar. Uh, Kingdom Come is a, I believe it was published as a four-part miniseries, but it's pretty much just a graphic novel now. Uh, written by Mark Wade and act painted by Alex Ross. It, it's yeah. It, if you look at this book, it's absolutely gorgeous. But basically, is it like a superhero comic or? Yeah, it's it's what happens when the DC comic book characters get old and either decide to retire or don't retire. Yeah, yeah. Did, okay, they did a thing on Arrow about this. That's why I heard of it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I, I, I think, well, obviously the biggest reason kingdom come is so famous is just because of the amazing Alex Ross interiors. He's a pretty famous comic book painter and he, he does a lot of cover work, but he's only done like a handful of interiors just because he literally paints everything. So it takes a bit longer, Yeah, but his art style is just gorgeous. Um, his, you know what I, like, I paint comic books. That's what I do for a living. Yeah. I paint them. <laughs> you paint on them. Uh, I don't understand. <laughs> no, no, I paint them. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, his two big ones that I think most people know are obviously Kingdom Come for DC and Marvels for Marvel. Uh. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is much more a sort of collected histories than Kingdom Come is sort of the far future. And basically, when I first read it, I was in high school, so I didn't really understand the depths of it. Sure. But reading it now, it's definitely a lot more a rejection of the nineties idea of comic books and how everything needs to be hella violent and huge lasers and guns and muscles and sort of that you cable. I I was literally uh, reading the Wikipedia page and they based one of the big bads off of cable. (laughs) They just, they just gave him a helmet with a bunch of horns and called him Magog. So Magog. Yeah. Which is a reference to a biblical character who is one of the things that comes about during the apocalypse. So, yeah. But, yeah, it's much more about deciding what comic books and, su- and or more specifically, superheroes should be. And it's really good. And other than that, I've been reading uh, a Brandon Sanderson book Yay! that's fucking so long. I love it. But fuck, is it long? I wanted to ask, like, is it fatigue, or like, are you losing interest? Uh, that's that's kind of the weirdest part about it. It is. It's very. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Uh-huh. Uh huh. So every time I do finish a, a chapter. part, one of a, or yeah, a chapter or uh, one okay, of the five yeah, sections five that seconds, it's broken right. up into, it is just like fuck. That felt like a book in its own right, yeah. and like it. It's good. Like I'm not like getting bored at all because er- like shit is happening. Like shit is always happening. We're always learning new things. But damn, it's just like oh, so oh, yeah. much of it. I am also reading well a, a Sanderson book, The Way of Kings, right now, and yeah. I feel so. So, you, so you're on book one. I'm on book three. I'm reading Oathbringer. But yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, like you, you reach the end, one of the, end of one of those sections, you're like, wow, it really does feel like a whole book, and then yeah. you're like. Okay, here we go. Another one. (laughs) I I think especially the odd sections, like I think two and four are normally kind of bridges between the three main sections, but I mean, there's still decent amount of stuff in them, but yeah, I'm, I'm literally like at the halfway point and it's just like, shit. Yep. I know what you mean. Like it is like you, you enjoy it. You do want to keep going, but it just takes a lot of time. Yeah. And I think a big thing for me, and I think this is a reason why I tend to give up on books so quickly is that I do get about halfway through and even though I am like really enjoying it, there is a bit of that. I want to see what else is out there. Mm -hmm. I want to like read a couple of other things, um, especially 
me and comic books. I always want to go check out stuff there. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to keep focus, but at least with Oathbringer, I'm really digging it. So I I do keep going back to it. I haven't completely fallen off yet. Right. Yeah. Like I'm like on part four of five of the way of Kings. And today mm-hmm. I was I went on the library website and reserved my next book because I'm like I'm ready for something else now. <laughs> like, I'm enjoying myself, but like you know, you want something else? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, actually, since we're in the middle of it, why don't you talk about how great it is being uh, giant books and the best part? Sure, that's a nice uh, transition. I'm not supposed to say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. It works out as like um, hastily like shuffle through the notes, but yeah, yeah. So. Um, this is the second time I've read The Way of Kings, and the first time I've read it after having read uh, Words of Radiance, book two. And I was just surprised by like how well it actually holds up as a book like on its own, like mm-hmm. outside of all the Cosmere stuff, like outside of all those connections. I mean, you really don't see those unless you're looking for them, you know? He does that really well. Yeah. And I was just struck by like how the story in itself, the, well, stories, different storylines are like really simple, so, but that's sort of what makes them so great, is that there's, they're simple, but there's so many of them going on. Like Shalan's story in The Way of Kings, just where she go, she's going to go with, like apprentice to Jezna and then steal her, uh, what's it called? Soulcaster. Soul yeah. yeah, like that's like, and they set that he sets that up like in the in her first two chapters, and that's so, just how it plays out for the rest of the book. Like at the end, there's all that twisty stuff because it's a Sanderson novel. With, yeah, like, and so I was trying to kill the, you. The third act is just banana pants, but right. yeah, yeah, it's just it's, I don't know. Like I, I guess I'm reading it as I'm trying to stretch my own novel. And it's like, wow, you know, it really is best just to keep things simple. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's really compelling. It's like you read a chapter, uh, and you know the way it's structured is like you get a Shalon chapter, and then a Kaladin chapter, and a Shalon, and then you have like a whole long stretch where there's no Shalon because it's Kaladin and Dalinar. Yep. And so like you really just you miss her when she's not there, you know. And then when you do get a chapter of her, it feels like it's like a, it's complete not section, but like it's a complete little mini story in the chapter. Mm-hmm. And like you can, you can really see how like you can feel the outline almost. And like, this is what this chapter is here to do. And it's a really a rewarding feeling. You can feel yourself being pulled along by like, okay, we're moving forward. Yeah. Especially in the stormlight archives series. I think it really is just planned really well and really carefully. I mean, how we were sort of talking before how it's like broken down into sections and each section kind of feels like its own, little story in in the bigger book and even then like they're kind of broken up into like each character has a different thing going on and in oathbringer they start really interacting with each other they're not as separated as they were in the first one but (laughs) yeah uh but they they do still like uh separate up every so often and kaladin will go do something else and what i think is really good with sanderson is that he is very careful to make sure he makes sure that the, the basic stuff is down pat. Like each character always has a motivation. You always know what they're going for. You never feel like, Oh, well, why am I reading this chapter? Like each chapter has kind of a purpose to it. Right. And then there's all that crazy Laura Cosmere stuff that you can go dig into and have your brain broken by Reddit theories and stuff like that. But yeah. yeah, like with all the epigraphs at the beginning of the chapters and uh, way of Kings, like some of them I get now, like having read farther in the series, mm-hmm. but some of them are still like, what is this about? <laughs> yeah. Well, especially with the way of Kings, if the, uh, section one's epigraphs, they're all the like death. Rattles, yeah, yeah. The, um, prophecies 
right, right, right. Yeah, and that is one of the nice things about like Oathbringer, where I know I there's not a lot that I'm still like trying to. I mean, there is like mysteries, but you have the mysteries, and you know, sort you know what all the characters are doing, you know what they know. You can just focus right on, on, on what they're trying to yeah, figure out. Yeah. Right. The way of kings, you're just getting to know everything and like, okay, that's how you summon a shard blade. Yeah, way, way of Kings is one of was one of the hardest books to get into, but one of the most fulfilling once you sort of understood it. I mean it it's yeah, no think- Malazan, but or Malazan. <laughs> but I there are like three different um prologues that don't really connect to each other, and so you're really kind of, it takes a a few chapters to find your footing. Uh-huh. For me, for me, it's not hard to get into the way of Kings because he starts out with just story. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you have Kaladin as a slave and you have Shallan sailing to Carbranth. And like, there's, it's, we're just starting with story, but it's what it's hard for me. is like the first time I read it was trying to figure out what to focus on. Yeah. Like when they, when they start talking about like the, the ge- geometrical arrangement of the cities, I'm like, what is this about? And, um, what else was it? Um, like there's a few mentions of Uriathiru in book one, which I never paid no attention to the first time because it's just a few mentions. Whereas like in book two, it becomes like a major and thing. And even even more in book three. Like, oh, yeah. I did not know I was supposed to be paying attention to that. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, uh, and it's funny because I actually um, so I will typically listen to an audiobook as I fall asleep, mm-hmm. and so a few times uh, I probably shouldn't call it Christmas break because I had like a couple of days off of work, right. but. Uh, when I was down in Jacksonville, I would throw like the prologue of the way of Kings on. And there was so much like, Oh, I actually know who these people are right. that are talking to each other. And I know what they're talking about. And I know the things they're referencing. Oh, oh that's Jezrian. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's especially um, with the very first prologue in the way of Kings is set so long before the action. Yeah. Like it makes sense now that's, as sort of the start of something. That's but, my like, that's not really there for the first time reader because you just don't have any no. context for that. You're like, what's going on? Who are these people? But like when once you've read the books a few times, you're like, okay, yes, this is what's going on here. This is why it matters. But that first time, like like you turn the page, you're like, wait a minute, what happened to the other characters from ten thousand years ago or whatever it was? <laughs> <laughs> and then you meet another character who you don't meet again till the interludes but that's right yeah. yeah that's a great chapter though but so that's what always impresses me about center so even, even though that there's even though the, the books are so long like as i go back and read it again every chapter i'm like oh yeah that's that chapter with where that happened mm-hmm. like oh that's the chapter where um the the bright lord's son dies in the, in the flashbacks or that's the chapter where just not kill those guys in the alley like this, every single yeah. chapter is like that you're like that's that one got it yeah there's there's always something memorable that happens in each chapter mm-hmm. which is cool I will say but, though, just yeah. as we leave this topic, um, mm-hmm. I'm at the like at this this point in the book, like part four, I am starting to get fatigued with it, and yeah, especially the Kaladin story starts to become pretty repetitive for me. Like at this point, we know like yeah, it sucks to be a Bridgman. There's like there's yeah. no way you can win. Yada yada yada. We've been here in the early parts of the book. I was really impressed this time around by like how like really like affecting it is. Like it's actually quite an interesting exploration of like how to like have honor in a situation like that, you know, and how to like try to salvage some some goodness from a terrible situation but just at this point in the book i'm like i know let's just get to the tower already (laughs) yeah especially because a lot with kaladin is sort of setting him up as a character as opposed to setting the world up um it's really his book i mean 
the way it's it, yeah the the first one's his book uh and that that's kind of i still don't know uh the bargain dalinar made but yeah. i am excited to find out yeah I, I, that, that me too do we, um, can i ask have we ever seen the night watcher have you seen her yet in book three i'm just curious uh, not yet okay that they, they've mentioned her and uh Big thing happens with. Okay, I know who you're talking. And not, not because because you meet that character mm-hmm. in the flashbacks, right? Or in the interview. But right? there's all no like because it's Dalinar's book. It's his flashbacks. Oh, okay, okay, I got you, I got you. So you meet her, but like there's also I'm I'm not I don't want to get too much into it. <laughs> don't spoil me, please. Yeah, just just ju- be like. I'll be like after our Japan trip, before I get to this book, but uh, a pug cafe, Aaron. <laughs> I am going to go into the cafe. I might not leave. I might just live there now with amongst. There's twelve of them. They're all adorable. We're like, yeah, and the plane leaves in like two hours. We have to go back to Tokyo. No, I'm staying with the pugs. It, it's just that scene from like Ed and Eddie where it's just like, okay, Jr. Mm. Mm. Jr. <laughs> open your mouth. <laughs> Let it breathe, man. <laughs> I opened my mouth. Arf. <laughs> Smuggling pugs out of Japan. We're gonna get arrested. <laughs> gonna get arrested. Oh, probably. <laughs> so I am at least a season. Bo- so the seasons of the CW shows that were last year, uh-huh. I got maybe two or three episodes into each. Okay, so more than a season behind at this point. Yeah, um, I only got about halfway through la- the last se- the last last year's season of Agents of Shield. Uh-huh. Yeah, I gave up on that one a while ago. I, I haven't checked out Inhumans, Runaways, Gifted. Basically, I'm saying I I'm superheroed out. Like I'm still going to the movies, but the shows I'm not reading superhero comics anymore. But that's more budgetary yeah. reasons than like actually being sick of them. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm I just don't have like the superhero buzz, the superhero hard on that like I had before. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like you know I'm looking for other things. I'm trying to find like other things that I can drive, but. Yeah, I've just lost interest in all of them. They're all just kind of like, yeah, they're okay. Uh-huh. I think part of it is, like you say, just fatigue. Like, there's only so many hours you have in a day, and you can't devote all of it to yep. watching these superhero shows. You know, at some point, you want something different. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is a lot of them are very mediocre. Like they're oh, yes, that's awesome. Like they're good. Like I like I've never okay. I've probably seen a couple of Arrow episodes and Supergirl episodes that were just generally bad. Uh-huh. Um, Supergirl really needs to work on its makeup department, but like they're good and like they're serviceable, and I I could watch them like every week. But the thing is, like, they're not exciting me and they're not pissing me off. Right, you want more great in your life, you know? Yeah, which is why like I'm super excited for Legion to come back. Legion was the shit. It was fucking awesome. I had no idea what was going on. (laughs) Aubrey Plaza was delivering probably her best performance ever and she's awesome like i love aubrey plaza and you single aubrey give him a call um (laughs) i am so single but yeah so i'm just i'm looking for like a lot of great stuff and i'm i'm just finding a lot of good stuff yeah so yeah yeah, have you ever like sort of 
lost interest, not because it went bad, but just because it was not amazing. Um, sort of like with the flash, I, I, I am a fan of those, that show. Like I like mm-hmm. the actors and the performances, but like I can say that and also tell you that like two thirds of the episodes in a given season are real clunkers. <laughs> like yeah, most, like most of the episodes that are really great are you kind of like, you feel like they're accidentally great because they're the really small ones that like are not tied into the big plot. And yeah, I like make an effort to keep watching because I like those, those episodes and the actors are cute, <laughs> but um, yeah. Oh yes. CW ain't hiring. No, yeah. like slouches. Like they are all fit, good looking people. Yeah. Like I, I still follow all of them on Instagram. Oh yeah. For like sure. even if I'm not watching their show anymore. You're so pretty. Yeah. My lately I'm really into um, kid flash, Keenan Lonsdale. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. <laughs> but um other in other and other like areas i i do have like burnout sometimes and i just need to like take a break mm-hmm. and usually I'll, I'll end up coming back with them like with the soap operas in particular like i haven't watched my my soap in a few weeks now because of the holidays and stuff and you know like and now as i like i have time for it again i'm like you know i'm good for now i'll watch something else <laughs> but i guarantee you like in a few months i'll be like what's going on over there yeah it's just yeah it's for me it's a matter of like i only have so many hours in a day Yep, I've got to you know you really got to choose what you watch or like how you you know what you consume. Like lately, I've been watching a lot of Buffy. B- Buffy is solid. Buffy is solid almost the whole way through. There's no season I would write off because there's always something good in every right. season. There's long stretches, but there there are episodes that are definitely just like oh god, why? Yeah, I mean, beer bad. Six. What did okay, you do? Wow. What are you that? <laughs> I'm in season six and I just watched the one where Riley comes back. Which I know it was reviled. I didn't think it was that bad. But. No, I, I thought that one always got more hate than it deserved. But I, I think a lot of people just hate Riley. This is true. And for good reason, but he wasn't yeah. bad in that episode. No. And I thought it was really good for something like that to happen to Buffy where she was. Uh, and push her more into the arms of Spike right. and have the most dysfunctional relationship ever on that show. All their sex is so sad. Every time they have sex, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, Buffy. why are you doing this to yourself? <laughs> I think the only time like sex happens and then something good happens right afterward is with Willow and Tara. That's right. Like in this, that's like a, a like a theme in this show. Like she has sex with Angel, he loses his soul. No, come on, guys, give the girl a break. <laughs> well, are you more? Oh God, I I hate them, but I love the terms. Uh, Spangel or no, not Spangel, Bangel or Spuffy? Definitely Bangel. I don't like Spike that much. <sighs> We're gonna fight because I'm Spuffy all the way. I love Spike. I don't know if I love their their relationship, but I love Spike. Yeah, I guess like, like maybe that's my problem is like them together just does not work for me. Like she, she, she's mm-hmm. so sad every time they have sex. Like stop, <laughs> are you doing this? Yeah, I just I don't know. I love Spike, it's especially his entrance into the show is so just I don't know, awesome and punk rock and yeah. cool, but. Yeah, I do like like his arc is really interesting. Like how he's like the big bad in season two, and then like sleeps, yep. he comes back and gets more and more important. Well, he's not even like the big bad in season right. two. He he's the one they set up at the beginning and then undercut halfway mm-hmm. through. That's right. Which they do a lot in that show, but which I think helps for long se- long seasons like sure. that. But yeah, but yeah. So I'm kind of losing interest in superheroes. I mean, I'm still super pumped and excited for the Avengers black movies. Panther. The black Panther movie yeah. looks awesome. Uh, yeah, Deadpool two. I'll be there opening weekend. That's Thanksgiving. Is that right? It might be. Cause, like, cause the, the poster is like him serving Turkey. So. 
Yeah. Oh, did you see the um, Bob Ross parody trailer that he did? I don't think so. I am. I'm, I'm sending you that YouTube link later, and you will love it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but, yeah, I can't yeah. believe, like we're like months away from Infinity War now. Like, yeah, I'm. I'm trying to do that thing where I watch one Marvel movie each week. Uh huh. To catch um, like this. And, and then like at and at the end of the week it will be i am one movie behind um which <laughs> is not bad right now as long as i watch the incredible hulk and iron man 2 this week i'll be on set again originally i was going to try and like write an in-depth blog post about each one of them and post that on the thursday oh. and then i realized i spent like five hours watching the two and a half hour iron man movie and was just like I'm good. (laughs) There there are other things I want to be writing in this time period. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll do something in lead up for uh, Avengers four, like the real cap off, but start it way in advance. Right. Like have all that stuff kind of saved and ready to go. But yeah, I was like taking notes and I was like rewinding every five seconds and just being like, wait, what was that moment? And yeah. really chewing through it, which was, it was fun, but it was just like, no, there takes time. It, like that would have been my life outside of work for the next right. few months, which I was not ready to do. But. Yep. Not willing to sacrifice that much. No, not, not that much. That's but. the thing. Like, it's like, yeah, it'd be really cool to do that, but you have to give up something up to do it. You know? Yeah. The, the amount of time I would have had to put in was just not so. I may do something later, but yeah. So east of west. Yeah. 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 So I'm on um, the fourth book, like the very beginning of the fourth book. And this is where, what's what's going on? Um, Babylon. I know, because you got to tell me, it's like, what's going on? Just saying the fourth book. I have no idea where that is. Um, Babylon has just escaped, like from his holding place, like where he was at the beginning. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And now he's in the balloon. Balloon is what its name is, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, like we have to destroy everything, and he'd be like, "But no, everything is so pretty. What are you talking about?" You know that that scene. Yeah, that was the end of book three, and I'm like the one after that, which is basically it was just like the one I read this morning was just like the Union. This is what the Union does, and the Confederacy. This is about the Confederacy. You just kind of like broke things down mm-hmm. and had like a timeline. But yeah, that's where I am, and I'm really enjoying it. Like it's it's weird and like super violent. It's oh, like it's not the thing I would, very violent. Yeah. It's not the kind of thing I would normally enjoy, but for some reason I'm really I am enjoying it. I think part of it is because it's a comic book and like the, mm-hmm. pretty, the pictures are pretty, and the storytelling is just really good. It's actually funny that you're reading this because I actually had dinner one time with Nick Dragota, the guy who draws it. Oh really? Uh, yeah, when I went up to Boston Comic Con with Cena, and we went out to dinner with like him and a couple of other guys, and well, actually a girl and another guy. But anyway, and he actually said talked about the process of working with Jonathan Hickman, the writer and Mm -hmm. how Jonathan Hickman basically just gives him like a long description of what's supposed to happen in the issue and the dialogue that's going to happen in the issue and doesn't even tell him like this happens on this page or this happens on that page and just lets Nick go crazy with it, which honestly, like I love the story and the story is super cool, but the art is amazing. And especially the character, the character designs are crazy. Yeah. Nick actually talked about like how Raven and Wolf was, he, all he was basically told is like two monochromatic uh, Native American looking people. I believe. He made it work. And yeah, 
made it worth especially like, like Wolf's design is so simple. Mm-hmm. But like, but he's really it makes him really versatile. Like in the in the fight scenes. Yeah, I like how the wolves come like out from under his cloak. <laughs> that was, yeah, uh, there's just so much of that of that series that I absolutely love. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of like who is my favorite character. I really like the design for Famine of the Four Horsemen with like the the really uh, sunken cheeks. Oh yeah, super creepy. And, and she just looks like more and more like a skull over the course oh. of the whole thing. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I really like Babylon. I his whole journey has been super interesting. Yeah, I haven't seen too much of him yet. Mm-hmm. But I like um, the John Freeman character. I'm interested in, and mm-hmm. um, the the Southern guy, Chamberlain. Yeah, cha- he's really <sighs> cha- he's, he's like the Tyrion, basically. He's you know. Oh, see, I I picture him more as the little finger of the sure, book because sure. he's he's a lot more backstabby. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Bell. <laughs> uh. Like like Ty- like Tyrion, I think always had like a bit of nobility, whereas like Littlefinger yeah. and um, Chamberlain, Chamberlain is, are just like no, just out and out bastards looking for whatever they can get. I love his mustache. Yeah, yeah, it's it's such a great series. But yeah, so you wanted to talk about how it sort of lets you wonder about things and doesn't tell you a lot. Yeah, like the the series does very little explaining about what's going on. Mm-hmm. I feel like I mean part of that is probably because it's also a comic book, which I'm not used to reading. Usually, you know, yeah. it's all text. Like it really drops you in in the middle of it. Like there's at the, the beginning is a beginning of sorts, but like it's I mean with this story, like the beginning goes way back, you know, and this, they just kind of open with the resurrection of the horseman this time around. Yeah, well, yeah. So to fill the listeners in, I guess because I guess and hopefully we explain the Stormlight Archive better than. <laughs> we were, we've were we been doing so far with East of West. Yeah, good luck, folks. But yeah, uh, read a book, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so East of West is is the story of the apocalypse. The end of the world. Yeah, it's the end of the world. It's extremely nihilistic, which is kind of cool. Yeah, so the four horsemen are reborn every so often. I don't know if they ever give a specific time. Yeah, I think I was looking at the timeline today. It was like the first disappearance is like the first one. In, mm-hmm. I can't remember now. That's a certain number of years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an alternate America that's broken up into six different countries. Yeah. The civil war never ended yep. or like didn't end the way it did in real life. So there's the, the, the union, which is, a, you know, the U S mm-hmm. and there's the Confederate state, the free, um, New Orleans. Yep. Republic. <laughs> what do they call it? Uh, I I forget. I think they call it like the kingdom, the kingdom. yeah, because yeah, the kingdom of and then they have the Texas Republic, yeah. the Endless Nation, which is a, a computer Native Americans. It's kind of weird. <laughs> their their whole design, though, I think is my favorite yeah. amongst all of them because it. I mean, so much representation of Native Americans in media is the kind of like primitive yeah uh for lack of a better term the sort of primitive like the wise primitive or something like that whereas this they are like the most technological out of all of the other countries they've got all the um and then there's uh the china yeah the uh what does nra stand for again like the The pra the people's republic of america something something like that yeah but yeah they they basically have the whole west coast west coast right and it is, yeah. And they do just sort of drop you, which is really refreshing because it's that's one of the issues I have with a lot of epic uh, comic book series. 
that aren't superheroes and kind of you already have the history anyway. Because mm-hmm. I love epic series. I especially love epic fantasy series. And a lot of first issues feel like just complete prologues. Yep. Whereas this starts you from chapter one, maybe even chapter two, you could argue, because it really does like drop you right into the middle of the action. Like the apocalypse has started and now we're watching us get there. Yep. And it, it's, it's always a good idea to start with character. Like we mm-hmm. meet death right away. We don't know really anything about oh, yeah, him. So, he was like one of the horsemen. So our main character is one of the four horsemen who we don't pick this up right away, but he's he hasn't been reborn. He's been there since the last go around, I guess. Yep. Um, and we sort of just pick it up with him and his struggle against the other three horsemen starts out really focusing on the conflicts and what these people are and sort of fills in the world along the way yeah, it's like it's like, like the plot's kind of like a big chess game where like some people want to bring about the apocalypse some people are trying to prevent it mm-hmm. and everyone's you know people have different pieces in their hands and they're all just playing their cards carefully to mix metaphors but <laughs> yep <laughs> every issue ends with ends and begins with like we brought this on ourselves we made it with our own hands there's nothing we can yeah. do so you know very cryptic sort of end of the world quotes yeah <laughs> very nihilistic but yeah it is I do think it's one of the best epic and I don't know if it's epic fantasy, but it's definitely epic sci-fi like series. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm just really impressed by like the confidence of the storytelling. Like they don't like with the not explaining things. Like I just, a few chapters ago, I met the Oracle character. I'm still not really clear on like who that is, Yep. but I'm confident. Like and they seem confident with like, don't worry, you'll figure it out when it's important right now. This is what's going to happen. And you're just going to watch it. And I remember it. Okay. You're like, Yes, sirs. Yeah. I'm going to remember it. And, and this is another uh, series that really does lend itself to rereading. I've, whenever there's kind of like a gap in between uh, stuff coming out, I'll usually go back to the beginning and kind of read all the way to get caught up. And there's a lot you pick up, um, especially just knowing the characters more. And so when you first see them, it's like, oh, this is, this means a lot more now, which is kind of cool. I remember, like, it's hard at the beginning. It was hard for me to keep track of like who's on what side. Yep. Like, like, is that guy with the Confederacy or? Especially when you start realizing how many double agents there are out in the world. Yeah. Like, a lot of comics and just fiction in general. I feel like the first book feels like setup mm-hmm. and prologue. And well, I finally started working on my Power Rangers series. Yay! And um, I got about seven chapters into the first book, and I was like, "This is all setup. This is all prologue, mm-hmm. and it's not what I want to be writing." So what I ended up doing is I ended up saying, we're going to start it from the second book. Like what I was planning as the second book is now the first book. And it's working so much better. Like it's so much more interesting because stuff has happened yep. and I get to like refer back to it and let the reader wonder like, wow, what happened? I'm like, Don't worry. I'll tell you when you have to know. Yeah. That's, I think that's always much better to do. Our readers are always a lot smarter than we often give them credit for. Sure. I know I always have, a little bit of that fear. It's like, Oh, well, will they realize this? Like how much do I have to tell them now? Like, can I save this for later? But I feel we should give our readers a bit more credit than I think some authors do and sort of be like, no, you'll kind of figure it out. You'll, you'll get it along the way. And I, I think that's really cool starting from, yeah, I think that's really cool. Starting from like the second book in the series. Yeah. Cause I mean, 
I was writing the first one and I was like, this is kind of dry and boring, but I'm sure the next chapter will be better. And like, I got, I did that for seven chapters mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, it's just not getting any more interesting. And it wasn't really like the story I wanted to tell. Like the first book is very much set up. It was like, you know, it's a team of superheroes. The first book is getting them all together. Yeah. And like the stuff that excited me was like, but what do they do when they're together? Yeah. So I was like over, over Christmas, I was just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just gonna have them be all together from the beginning and let's go. <laughs> and I'm really, I'm really pleased with it. Um, it's a different story from what I've written before. It's much. The, it's not that the plot is less tight, but there's more POVs. Right. So like, it sort of goes more slowly. I'm not sure if it's going to be sellable in the end because it's the superhero stuff is very much sort of like secondary. Like it's much more about the characters who, and like super they, who happen to be superheroes. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think that's how a lot of the market, at least a lot of like the good stuff in the market, typically tends right. to go about it. I mean, obviously not so much the movies like the movies it is right. like the superhero heroics first but especially with the uh one the few times i have read um superhero stuff in prose it has been much more like focusing on the characters especially and i'm I'm assuming this is ya yeah no this is a for adults oh okay yeah. there's like sex and everything Ooh. but shameful sex sad sad buffy spike sex uh-huh. kind of okay. <laughs> it gets better don't worry no, I find myself doing the thing that Buffy does too. It's like, okay, everyone has like sad shame sex, except like the gay and lesbian characters. They get to have like the fun, happy sex. Like, right. And then I might kill one of them off later, but who knows? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And like I have um, the, the outline for this story is much more loose because I kind of want it to be like a soap opera where I can go on forever if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So like I have an ending in mind, but there's lots of stuff that can happen in between. It's exciting, but yeah. We'll see where it goes. For the, right now, I'm just working on this this first book, mm-hmm. and then we'll see where it goes. Nice. You know, I got other projects going too. So, oh yeah, we all have like 50 different projects to go yeah. through. But it's exciting. I've, I've been thinking about this for a long time, and I'm finally working on it. And I'm like finally writing these characters I've been thinking about for many years. It's exciting. Yeah, that that's always refreshing. Where you finally get to put it on the front burner and like really start working with it and experimenting and seeing where all these different characters go. So if it's Power Rangers, is it your typical five man band kind of setup or? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, but me being me, like there tends to be a lot more of the heart. Yeah. <laughs> like everybody's got a little bit of the heart going on because it, I'm Aaron and that's how I operate. But yeah, there's definitely like one of the guys who's like not into it. He's just like, why do we have to do this? And yeah, I think I haven't like, I'm not super familiar with all the different roles. Like I've read about it before, but I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it all lines up for it. Well, you typically have um, the hero or leader of the group. Yep. You have um, the one who kind of challenges the leader status. Yeah. Uh, you have the smart guy. You've yeah. got the tough guy and mm-hmm. you've got the heart that puts them, that brings them all together. Okay. The smart guy in my case, not so present in the beginning. There's a smart, there's like a techie person that comes in later. Yeah. I guess I got two hearts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that can work too. Yeah. We'll, f- we'll find out if it works or not. Yeah. Well, I, I think especially with tropes like the five man band, it's, it's much more of like a starting point and something exactly. to lean against if you're getting lost or something's not working, but mm-hmm. If stuff's working, uh, forget it. Who cares? It's working. We're going to go with it. Yeah. But yeah. I'm a little bit frustrated by that, the fact that like I'm on chapter two right now when I've been working on this for a month because I had to scrap seven chapters of stuff. 
It, it's all the but process, I mean, man. It's all the process. Yeah, like if I hadn't, if I hadn't written that outline that book, like I wouldn't have anything to write about in the second, this second book, you know, so yeah. it didn't matter. It just, you know, I'd like to have more to show for it. <laughs> I, I have that feeling a lot, especially when I have a bunch of like scripts that are just like, Oh, these are not the finished products. So yeah. I can't really show them off, but yeah, you saw star Wars, right? I did. What did you think about it? I did not like it. Okay. I loved it. So this is going to be a fun conversation. <laughs> uh, and I, I, that, that might've sounded a little sarcastic, but no, I'm actually kind of interested to hear your issues and thoughts. Sure. I just felt like the screenplay was a mess. Yeah. Like, I didn't know what the story was for the longest time. And then like, once I finally figured out, like we're really going to do this thing with the, um, finding out how they're tracking you. That's your star. That's your story for a star Wars movie. That's like so technical, and I want to see people fight with lightsabers. I want, yeah, for Star Wars, like I want big epic. Mm-hmm. And this was just, yeah, the pl- the screenplay was all over the place. Like all of like Finn's, not Finn. The, who's the black guy? Is that Finn? That's Finn. Yeah. yeah, his story with like the um, Rose. I didn't understand. Like, what are we doing? Like, there was no like net progress. Like we, we tried that and we messed it up. But, but why do we do that? I don't understand. I think that is one of the biggest things that's frustrating a lot of people because this entire movie is basically all about failing and learning why we failed so we can do better next time. I did like want to go see it again to be like, what? Because now that I know what the story is, <laughs> I want to yeah. see it. <laughs> well, I, but is that what you got with it? I, that, that's kind of what I got from it. And I, I saw the movie twice in two nights um so i went opening thursday really excited and then the day after my roommate was gonna go with a friend of his and then she couldn't get out of work that evening so he just texted me he's like hey you want to go again and i was like fuck yes i do that was an awesome movie (laughs) um so i really dug it because it's a i think it's a just a well done movie but it's also a very meta movie mm-hmm. when you look at it i mean though i think both this and the force awakens have been very meta as sort of trying to figure out what star wars is and what it means and i do under i un so this is the biggest reason why i'm getting very annoyed and we're gonna get more to the fan response of it later okay. i understand I understand why people have issues with it and I don't fault them for it. I don't, I, because it, it both is and isn't a star Wars movie. Mm -hmm. So the, the whole thing, the whole movie to me was kind of figuring out, okay, what do we want star Wars to be going forward? So the force awakens was about why do we love star Wars and why do we want star Wars to come back? This movie was much more, okay, now that it's back, what do we want to do with this? And you see this play out most mostly in the idea of uh, Luke and the idea of the Jedi Order. I actually do want to write a fairly long blog post about all of my feelings on The Last Jedi, especially around the idea that I think a lot of the failings in this movie are more failings with past star Wars movies. Okay. So I think a big thing that a lot of people 
that I think really fucked this movie up from my least favorite Star Wars movie, The Clone Wars. <laughs> uh, no, not The Clone Wars, Attack of the Clones. Although, honestly, The Clone Wars movie was not that good, but the series, really good. Movie, not so much. In that Anakin Skywalker didn't fail from being too good. He wasn't Lancelot. He wasn't he wasn't hoisted on his own. Guitar. I love that saying. I know, but I don't think it quite fits here. But basically, you want to do like everything. <laughs> he wasn't like too good for this world. The whole idea was that he was conflicted and couldn't be a good Jedi that way. Where I, I think right. that's just a bad. I just don't like that as a sort of um, fall from grace arc. Uh-huh. I, I think it's much more interesting to have him be like so good that he just goes crazy with it. Or is he's just too perfect for this world and then mentally breaks. Right. So I think the idea that, okay, it's not the strict teachings of the Jedi that's important. It's the idea of just being in touch with the universe and people and the world that should be important. And so if you did think like, oh, no, like the Jedi training is what made people powerful, then yeah, this movie does kind of brush that off. Mm-hmm. But I think that's much more a failing with Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith than it was right. with this movie. Because this movie, I mean, that's something that that's something that will always work for me. It's like, oh, casting off old dogmas in favor <laughs> of like moving forward as a group of people. The JR says, uh, yes. The JR <laughs> says yes. Yeah, that's something I believe wholeheartedly. The main issues I do have with the movie, though, uh, do feel somewhat small. And I I think the big thing with the Finn story, as you say, and I I do think this is one of the bigger weaknesses in the movie, is that it the Finn story is all about growing the character and and, um, establishing the theme, establishing and feeding into the theme, but does absolutely nothing with the plot. Right. That's my problem. Yeah. And I, I actually like had a full debate about this. And the one thing that it does is that DJ tells them that they're escaping in little ships. Mm-hmm. Right. But other than that, their whole adventure has absolutely nothing to do with the plot. Right. Which as someone who loves plots and loves right. plotting things out, like that is a big issue. Well, I mean, this is a writing podcast. So like writers, everything that happens in your story should have to do with your plot, please. Yeah. But, but it does tie in with his character arc and with all of our characters growing. And it does help set up the theme that we, that we should not stick to what we have but we should move forward with what we love mm-hmm. i mean that's the whole thing with um canto bite that? that's the casino world okay okay yeah those crazy that run around yeah it's it where you see all these people profiting off war and really loving the current system that we have but the whole idea is like okay this system obviously isn't working, so we need to find something better. We need to do something better with it. Mm-hmm. So it does thematically make sense and does help with the theme a lot, but yeah, it does not help with the plot at all, which is yeah. a big failure to me. That's like I didn't. I wasn't really thinking of the movie in terms of like theme or bigger picture things like that. Like I was kind of just there to have a good time, and it was yeah. so hard because like I didn't know. Like it's just not what I expect from a Star Wars movie, you know. Like yeah. all the like my favorite stuff in the movie was was when um 
the Red Room with Snoke and Ray fighting with Kylo Ren. That's oh my god! That's, I'm like, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, but like everything else, like on the spaceship, I was like, this is. I was bored. I didn't understand why I was being made to watch this. Also, like with her and Luke Skywalker, that stuff was really drawn out. I felt like. See, I, I loved every. Although I will say, even though we did use it as the joke in the cold open, that milking scene was weird and <laughs> awkward, and I don't know, like. I, I I chuckled when I first saw it, but like looking back on it, it's just like, what mm. are we doing? Yeah, well, whose whose decision was this? <laughs> also, like yeah. I think of the Laura Dern character. Like while I loved the, her purple hair, I mm. did not understand what she was there for. Like she and like they had this big scene where she sacrifices herself, which I think was shot beautifully and like was really effective with like the no sound. Loved all yeah. that, but I was like, I don't care. Who is this person? <laughs> well, my my biggest frustration with the Laura Dern character, and this is sort of after Finn having nothing to do plot-wise, I still don't know why she couldn't tell Poe, hey, we are doing something. Right. Calm your ass. Right. Like, she gives, like, and I know, like, a lot of it is Poe just needs to figure out where he is in this whole right. place, but... That that is just one nit I can't not pick. Is just like she she could have given him something, and Poe has proven himself countless yep. times that he is loyal to the resistance. So even if you do think that someone is feeding the First Order something, it's not going to be Poe. And if you think it's going to be Poe, you can give him enough information to shut the <laughs> fuck up and still and still not give right. him everything. Yeah, that's just manipulation of you know the audience. We're doing, we're not doing this because we want it to be dramatic, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think a lot of her character was sort of meant to a manipulate the audience and especially manipulate a certain part of the audience that will immediately not trust a feminine <laughs> female character in a position of power. Um, 2018 folks, 2018. I don't want to get, well, <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> I say, I don't want to get into this, but I also do want to get into this because this is the, this is the thing I really wanted to talk about. Cause like, I like Star Wars the last Jedi and I think there's a lot to sort of pick over and go through there, but I fucking am done with all of the online conversation of just like, Oh, if you like the movie, you're an SGW cook. <laughs> and if you hate the movie, you're a Nazi who like wants to kill right. women. Like I, I don't like the dialogue about this movie is such shit that I can't fucking take it anymore. <laughs> Uh, Donald Trump, you have ruined us all. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I think he's just yeah, revealed right, right. a lot that was already there. I don't think that Trump like suddenly it's not his fault. <laughs> I mean, it's partially his fault. Let's not yeah, let him off yeah, the he hook. Stands but, fuck. but yeah, am I like crazy in thinking that just like fandom is so amazingly toxic? I mean, yeah, they always do this kind of stuff. Like, I have not read too much about people's reactions to this film. I watched a few videos, but like, I'm not surprised. Like every, it's always this, right? Like if you're not on my side, you must be evil. Yeah. And like, look, I get one side is kind of evil. We addressed the Nazis before they're, they're Nazis now again. I'd rather say that like there are evil people on one side, but like you don't have to be like evil to like, you know, be on that side. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of the thing. Like I, I, I've seen so many like snarky, like quote unquote snarky people on Twitter just being like, you just don't get it. It's like, no, you can get it and not like right. it. Like, calm your fucking roll. <laughs> calm your tits, as you like to say. Cool your tits, right? Yeah, cool your tits. <laughs> let's let, let's calm down. Like, there, this is not a perfect movie. There's flaws in this movie, and 
I don't think they really matter that much to me. I mm-hmm. still love the movie. I would. I'm not sure if this is my second or third favorite Star Wars movie, but it's up there. Yeah, it's definitely up there. I really love this movie. I really loved what it does and what it had to say about Star Wars moving forward. And there were several moments that legit shocked me, like that completely caught me by surprise. The biggest one was the death of Snoke. Yeah, for sure. When I when when I went back to see it, so when I went back to see it the second time, I fully had on my complete critical uh-huh. goggles because I had already started seeing some of the hate come in, and so like I was just like, okay, I'm sitting down, I'm super critiquing everything, I'm picking out every joke that doesn't work, and the only one that didn't really like fit was the uh, milking one, <laughs> like that's just weird, uh, and I didn't really like find much there, and. I was looking at the Snoke scene and I'm like, okay, so a lot of people think that this completely cuts the story off at the knees, Mm -hmm. but like looking at that moment, it is so earned because the mystery, and this is a big thing of why I hate JJ Abrams and kind of ties back to a failing from the force awakens was the 50 bajillion fucking mystery boxes jj abrams decided to leave fucking everywhere jj abrams (laughs) because here's the thing no one doesn't know who snoke like maybe ray doesn't really know who snoke is because she's from nowhere and wasn't really part of but everyone who's been part of the plot up to this point in time know who snokes is knows his whole backstory the only people who don't know is the audience and that's because jj abrams is a fucking annoying writer Yep, that's true. So the fact that they just kill him was completely blindsided. And what's really cool, they they do do the thing where uh, Snoke is reading Ben's mind, and it is just like everything that Ben is that Snoke is saying that Ben is doing is exactly what Ben is doing, just for Snoke instead of Ray. Right. So it's except like one little line uh, that specifically calls out Ray, but everything else is like, Oh no, you're moving the lightsaber. You're positioning it. You're thinking of hate and all this stuff. And like, it's all about that. And, and so like, it really works as a moment. But like the first time I was watching it completely caught me by surprise. And that never happens with me in movies. Like I know so much, this is going to sound pretentious as fuck, but I don't know if any other ways. I know a lot about storytelling. I know a lot about writing. I know a lot about how story structure works. So normally I can pretty much call out a movie at least one scene away. Like I know what each beat is going to be coming up because of a lot. Of, and that's what was, I was what? <laughs> like that one completely caught me by surprise. Yeah, see, I can, I can understand like what you were saying, but my reaction was like the opposite. I was like, what? Because they built this guy up over the last movie, and then you're just going to kill him, and he, like, he doesn't matter anymore? I felt cheated. And see, I, I get a lot of people... I get why a lot of people feel that way, but once again, I think that's a failing of a previous movie, sure. and not this one. Yeah, I guess it, it sounds like you're, you've like engaged with this movie on a more like critical and structural level. Like I sat down mm-hmm. in my seat in the movie theater, and I was like, alright, Star Wars, let's do this. And it just was not what I was expecting, and I, you know... They, like a lot of rugs were yanked out from underneath me. Like, oh, Snoke doesn't matter anymore. Oh, we're not doing anything with Ray's parents after all that hullabaloo. I was like, okay. I I, I love that Ray's <laughs> parents don't matter. Like I like that was one of the annoying theories that like just kept popping up everywhere. And I'm just like, how awesome would it be if they were just fucking nobodies? Well, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. So like, yay, I win. Um, 
<laughs> I'm better now than all of you people. More right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and but I'm always like engaging with movies that way. Very rarely can I just sort of like absorb, just like let a thing kind of wash over me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I need to sort of pick at it and engage with it. And this is another blog post I want to write in the new year is whenever people say, can't you just enjoy a movie? Me and my roommate Anthony got into a bit of a thing about uh, Coco. Oh yeah, I haven't seen it still, but go ahead, spoil me. I don't really. No, because it, it, well, it's nothing to do with spoils. It spoilers. It's just that Coco is a very predictable movie. Uh-huh. Like it's very well executed. The animation is amazing. The songs are good. But like as soon as the prologue first scene kind of ends, I knew exactly every beat of the movie Coco and it was still like pleasant to watch, but my mind did start drifting off being like, well, how would an economy like this work in a society, in a dead society where the only things that are brought in are stuff that are left on the altars. (laughs) And whenever I like, kind of like caught myself like, Oh, like I should pay more attention to the movie. It's like, Oh no, this is the exact thing I was expecting to have happening. And, and it's good. Like, I'm not saying it's, poorly executed like it's executed amazing and i can't wait to see it on broadway in a couple of years <laughs> with lynn manuel miranda as one of the characters <laughs> we'll be here in 2021 despite the fact that i know he's puerto rican and not mexican and dia de los muertos is a mexican thing but i don't know come at him Dave. uh you'll hear the email at the end of the thing <laughs> actually you know what yell at me on twitter no one talks to me on twitter occasionally aaron will do something on twitter but Come at me on Twitter. I could use more people yelling at me on there because I'm, I'm screaming internally reading this <laughs> on Twitter nowadays. But. Twitter. but yeah, so no, I I don't like just letting a movie wash over me. Yeah. I like kind of like actively watching it and trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I do say like, I will give this to Star Wars. Like visually it was stunning. Like I loved Oh yeah, like the scene where um, Princess Leia gets blasted out into space and then like wakes up and floats back to the ship. I was like, I don't know, really know really know what's going on right now, but I'm into it. Like this is super cool. And like, see, that, that was one of the things that I I thought that her animation was a little bit weird. I liked it. I liked the way she, she moved through space. I don't know. <laughs> like I like I love the idea of the and the concept of Leia actually having a little bit more force powers than we've seen before. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, something about the I think it might just be stuff moving about in space doesn't really have the uh what's the word? Like the perspective of stuff in the background so you understand how okay, sure. forcefully it's moving. Mm-hmm. That perspective, like yeah, perspective of it. Uh, I thought it was animated a little bit weirdly, but like I didn't have any problem with Leia being able to do some force cool yeah. stuff. I also liked the um the crystal foxes. I thought they were really cool. The crystal foxes were cool. The icicle foxes, there they were. And um in that same scene, like where in the ice in the base on the ice planet, Leia's awesome jacket with the with the collar. I was like, I want that. that is coat. Such an awesome <laughs> coat. <Right>? Like. <laughs> Yeah, like first of all, any sort of asymmetrical design I think is awesome. But yeah, that one was dope. Yeah, the design, like the the design in this movie and the way it was shot, gorgeous. Again, I love that. Like structurally, like inside the story, I didn't understand why we had to have the Laura Dern character kill herself. But like the way it was shot, the the absence of any like any noise at all, very cool, very effective. I do want to go see it again now that we've had this talk and like so now that my expectations are you know different now that I yeah I can look at it again. And that you un- and you understand some things from a guy who looked way too into it, <laughs> right. yeah. But yeah, that, stop being dicks online. Let people like or dislike things. Yeah. Remember, guys, it's just because not everybody's enough. Yeah, because they're 
there there have been a couple times where people have been like, "Hey, that new Star Wars, you really like Star Wars, Jr. Let me come talk to you about it." And I'm just like, no. oh, <laughs> I've just read 50 different think pieces about why I'm the worst person in the world for liking or disliking part of a movie. I don't have the emotional energy to right. do this anymore. But but did you like it? <laughs> You're tearing me apart, internet. Uh, also, James Franco won. Like yeah, the Golden that. Globe for Tommy Wiseau, like that's crazy. I guess they liked it. I mean, like the disaster. First of all, the disaster artist, better book than movie, but like still a good movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I didn't think he was that amazing. I mean, he's good. Right. Like he does a great impression, but I didn't. I don't know. Right, go see the disaster. Go read the disaster artist, and then you can see the movie. Right. But read the book first. There you go, folks. Here's a recommendation from JR. I've probably given a lot of recommendations today. And once again, our weekly road trip must come to an end. If you have any questions, suggested routes of conversation, or you yourself are a fellow writer looking to hitchhike onto our show, please email us at threewriterspodcast at gmail.com. We're always looking for new passengers to pimp their wares. You can also like or follow our road trip on Facebook and Twitter, share it with your friends, share it with your family, and leave reviews wherever reviews are able to be left. Now, if you find this journey helpful, interesting, or at the very least entertaining, please help keep our gas tank from running on empty by leaving a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash three writers pod. Now it is time to move my foot from the gas to the brake and pull loose our keys for Aaron. Use the false, Luke. And myself, and the bajillion hours of unedited footage, (laughs) not footage, audio, now that we've made a left, you go right. And it's over. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Feels like home. (laughs) It really does. Oh, we have like a what? What was the line? It's like we're home, Chewy. Oh yeah. <laughs> I I can't do the I want I I tried to do the role in the Chewbacca thing, but I can't it's do the. Tough. Oh, there it was a little bit. When I must we should just do in uh, wiki language. Oh, let me try one. <laughs> Can you make that face again? <laughs> well, I'll just do the part. <laughs> right there, you go. I I, I loved and hated the porks. Cute, but... <laughs> oh, porks! And once again, our weekly mode. Ah, fuck. Mode been a while, trip. Been a while. Okay. I don't know. It's been a while. It's been a while. Um, that's a song. So it is. I don't remember the rest of the song. Is it Creed? No, it's not Creed. I think it's Nickelback. Okay. It's been a while since I. Da, 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 da. It's been a while. Um. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit for the end of the episode.
Bestiality jokes, a great way to start off again. Hey. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs>